All right, this is part two of colorism in the black community. And yes, I am still standing in front of my pantry. So it is going to be a little bit noisy. Hopefully I haven't been that noisy. But as I mentioned earlier, I've done the Ancestry.com DNA test. And that's what provoked this line of thought for me. Um, it, because I started doing research, came across this video on YouTube of this lady. And like I said, I could have misread her. You know, it could have been just something I've seen in the community, you know, black community so many times. And I just, I'm like, ugh, there we go again. You know, um, here, here is a woman who embodies, you know, many races and celebrate all of your races, celebrate every place you come from, every, you know, everything that has poured in to make you who you are. But don't allow yourself to feel like one side of you is more superior to the other side of you. Um, never allow yourself to deny who you are in your entirety because of what you've been taught by society. Don't allow yourself to think that, okay, well, you know, uh, the black or the dark skin side of me is, it, it's, you know, irrelevant um, or it, it, it's yucky. Um, but, you know, the part of me that's from Norwegian, uh, that is Norwegian or from Switzerland or something like that is, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. I need to go post this to Facebook and let the whole wide world know why I should be celebrated as being superior. You know, that kind of thinking is just toxic uh, within itself. And so that's just the backdrop or the basis of what I've been um, talking about. It's just, hey, you know, in case anybody misunderstands the the message that I was just really trying to convey it's just, hey, man, be all that you are. You know, I, I know once my ancestry uh, DNA results come back, I know that um, my family's mixed. Like, I already know some of the things that are in my family, and I celebrate every aspect of who I am, including the part of me that's, you know, African. The part of me that, or, you know, my ancestors coming from Africa, I celebrate that. I don't feel like the part of me that, may potentially be Choctaw any I used to think it was Cherokee my auntie told me the other day Choctaw I don't believe that that part is superior to the black side of me then there's the white side of me I don't believe the white side of me is superior to the black side of me I just don't believe that I just believe that these are all the ingredients that God used to create me and the generations beyond me to create my family and the generations beyond these these are just the mixtures that came together and that that I think that's just beautiful you know I honestly I just think that's beautiful um uh, but I I hate to see the colorism in the black community and um how for whatever reason a lot of it we don't necessarily discuss because you know, like I said, if you say certain things, you're going to pick up a, a certain level, uh, a label, not level. Um, but, you know, like even me talking about, oh, you know, uh, have those women who are of a lighter complexion, who look more European, black women, not all of them. I have to keep reiterating that because there are some cool sisters out there, you know, of all colors. But I'm talking about specifically about the ones who and they, they won't say it out loud. You can see it in their actions. You can see it in their actions, but I'm talking specifically about the ones who do genuinely feel like they are superior to their darker complexion sisters simply because they're light skinned. And a lot of times you can hang around them and they can be cool with you and all that, but you will see their thinking process whenever a moment arises where 
you're about to get something that they actually want. That's when you get a chance to see their narcissism. When you're about to get something that they feel entitled to. When you're about to get something that they feel like should have come to them. Namely a man. You know, if they feel like, hey, well, I'm better looking. And in many cases, they're not better looking. They're just light skinned. But for whatever reason, they've been taught or they've come to believe that being light skinned makes them prettier. Um, And in situations like that, that's when you again, you get a chance to see their narcissism, narcissism on full display. And you get an opportunity to see how they truly feel about you. Um, And I think that's kind of heartbreaking, especially for those of us. Um, who genuinely love the people we come in contact with, you know, and we want everybody to succeed, right? We want everybody to, you know, we want all of our friends to have good experiences. We want, you know, we just want everything to go right for everybody. Um, and you know, I think it's kind of, um, disappointing when you come in contact with friends and people who don't see you the same way. They don't see you the same way. They see you as, Somebody who makes them look good. <laughs> and they see you as somebody who, um, somebody to hang out with while they are manless, you know, while they're bored. Um, and they don't want to hang out with the next light skinned sister. I mean, and then there are some ones who do that. We can talk about that as well. But they don't want to hang out with other, any woman that they feel is going to get more attention than themselves. Now, let's talk about real quick about the ones who only hang around other light skinned women. The ones who hang around other light-skinned women only hang around other light-skinned women. Let me make sure I reiterate that. Only hang around other light-skinned women. They are out there as well. Understand this. And I tell people this all the time because I've had to talk with young women, you know, because young people, believe it or not, are still being affected by colorism in America. And sometimes when you come across the darker uh, sisters and stuff, they can have low self-esteem because of a society that does not favor them. You know, a society that has been cruel to them, a society that highlights their physical features, you know, their butts or what have you. You know, tell them, hey, basically, hey, you better go out here and twerk, Miss Stein. If you ever, you want a man, you better go out there and make it do what it do. Um, I've had conversations with them and what have you. And so one of the things I like to share with younger women, and I pray that it's, you know, helpful to you, is that anytime you come across a group of women or men who make you feel bad, or, you know, maybe they're uh, of a lighter complexion or what have you, and they try to uh, sell themselves as being superior to you, that is not a healthy person. Don't pay them no mind. Because I think in many cases, and it's not even just light-skinned people, because we know there are people out there um, that do that. But is I think in the black community, we know that that has happened a lot with um, some of our lighter complexion brothers and sisters. But I've always told, you know, young ladies this, don't, don't put any weight into that. Because when you come across a, a woman like that, she's not healthy. She's gen- and I'm being honest, she's genuinely not healthy mentally. Uh, she's not retarded, but she's not healthy. And it's her unhealthy line of reasoning that's going to lead her to a lot of heartbreak. These, t- these are typically the women who do the craziest things in relationships. Why? You know, they're on record with men for being crazy. You know, guys be like, why women like that? Why are they crazy? And I, I, I won't say that they're crazy, but in many cases, the reason you have a woman that if she's celebrated for her beauty... You know, a whole lot of her life and she's made to feel like doors will open for her just because she's 
uh, beautiful or she has a nice body or she's, you know, uh, light complexion or, you know, she's biracial. If she's made to feel like that, then uh, whoever the people that are doing that are actually doing her uh, an injustice because over time she will come to discover that it isn't true. Now, while she's young and she's cocky and she's running around, she will experience some what I call false favor. And remember this, I'm not just talking about um, the the lighter skin sisters because there are women out there who are celebrated for their beauty. And again, they're made to feel or they come to believe that, you know, life is going to be easier for them because they've been celebrated for having, you know, some type of unique feature about them. And many times when they're young, they come to believe that doors are going to open like they'll never have to put in much work. Um, they come to believe that they're going to marry the the most good looking guy, you know, because they got old pretty boy that drives a Mercedes checking them out and what have you. But a lot of times they do the craziest things because they were taught that and they come to believe that, hey, I am a. Sorry, I'm over here picking stuff up. I am unique. I am you know, what every man wants, I am this and I am that. And they come to believe that. And so whenever they experience rejection, they don't know how to handle it. Because it's not something that they've experienced on a larger scale. They've experienced it, but um, I think the initial onset of rejection, I'll say that. The initial onset, when they first start experiencing rejection, especially from a male, it can be very triggering to them. Because they have they didn't expect it, you know over the course of their lives you know doors have opened people have extended favor to them and you know things have happened because especially elementary school or what have you they've had a lot and this is why a lot of women peak in high school a lot of women peak in high school because they come to believe that um sorry i have to focus sometimes but they come to believe that life is going to be imbalance and that things are going to go their way simply because they are by society standards considered to be beautiful people um and again unfortunately what uh then turns around what then happens with many of them is that that same society that puffed up their heads that same society that you know celebrated them also basically just I hate to say this. I don't I'm trying to figure out a, a a way to describe it, but that same society, that same society will use them for their own beauty. See, I can tell you right now, all the way up to this point, I probably had women listening. You know, uh, what, most of the women are going to listen and shake their head because they're going to be like, yep, 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 because they know what I'm talking about. But then again, if there is a woman who has um, experienced colorism or been the one on the not the receiving end, but the giving end of colorism, colorism, nine times out of 10, she listens to this in utter disgust, you know, just, uh, I'm telling you, it's just these hating women, these hating women, or what have you not realizing that I am genuinely not that type of person. I think that there are beautiful people in all shades. Um, but I do like to call out things that I see and I don't like wearing a muzzle. You know, I don't like wearing a muzzle and pretending that I don't see it or trying to give it a different name oh no 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 
this not, no i like to call stuff what it is if it's a dragon i'm not gonna call it a cat <laughs> if it's a dragon i'm not gonna call it a cat um but many times in our society uh our society does not when you are african or african-american regardless of how pretty you are it needs to be understood that our society does not favor you and so a lot of times uh, a woman who by society standards is considered to be beautiful she gets the raw she gets the bad end of a deal as well it's not just a woman who's not celebrated women who are not celebrated typically start thinking of themselves as victims and you know they start embracing the victim mentality and feeling having that old woe is me complex going and i had to tell them like no honestly if you look at both sides of a spectrum the, the spectrum of colorism there is no favorable side so this is just my this is what i've noticed this is what i've seen there is no favorable side of colorism because the girl who may have more european features you know she's beautiful she's celebrated for her features and stuff like that um she's given a false sense of security and believe me when i tell you that within itself is an attack that within itself is it's damaging because with that false sense of security when you're young you genuinely believe what people tell you so if you're constantly celebrated and people telling you you're the bomb you're the bomb man i'm trying to tell you you you're gonna be a model you need to be in music videos and if people constantly doing that and doors are opening for you it gives you a false sense of security but that's false honor it's it's false favor because people are simply celebrating the flesh but what then happens is somebody's going to come along who looks better than you and when that person comes along then you're tossed aside for that person or many cases a lot of women who by societal standards are considered to be let's say tens uh, on the beauty scale many times they are embraced dated led to believe that life is just gonna be there's one big beautiful party for them and then they they get done you know how many times i've had conversations with friends of mine like that who are just absolutely gorgeous and they had they actually had a false sense of security and that's the reason why i don't look at either side of the spectrum and have you know like a preference like hey i don't like women like this no honestly I think there's a false sense of security there that a lot of women and it does not allow them to develop emotionally or mentally because it's kind of like a child. Think of it this way, because I'm trying to find the best way to describe it without sounding offensive, because we we live in a time where offense is the new. (laughs) Everybody's easily offended. Um, But. Think of a child. If you take a child, let's say if I raise a child and. Let's say I was a millionaire. We raise our hands and we receive it. (laughs) But let's say I was raising a child and I was a millionaire. And I gave my child everything. Right. I gave my child attention. I bought my child all of the latest clothes. My child was always the most fashionable person at school. Or what have you. When it came to um, when it came to her work, I, I hired some of the best tutors. So she always made A's and B's and. You know, whenever um, she didn't do so well, I blamed it on the tutors or what have you. And I just fired them and I get a new tutor. 
my child would be what somewhat narcissistic because that child has not been introduced to reality and it doesn't make the child bad and i think that this is where i have another problem is that there are some women in the black community who are dark of the darker complexion who don't like light-skinned women out of jealousy or because they've come in contact with uh, narcissistic light-skinned women and they just got fed up with it but that's not a justification because you have to be open enough to meet people from all different you know you got just you got to be open enough to meet enough people so you can understand that hey this is not a every light-skinned person ain't like this every black person ain't like this every white person ain't like this but you have to be able to understand you it is important for you to be able to identify uh some of the issues within a certain spectrum you know to be able to say okay this is common for that spectrum if that makes sense but some of the darker women i have to go across this room i'm holding something heavy so it may sound like i'm distant but some of our darker sisters are mean not so kind not so embracing toward the lighter skin sisters oh heavy. so let's go back to the example so i'm raising this child and I give my child everything. I, I, I give her money. Anytime she comes walking up, she says, Mom, come on, give me, give me, I need 50 bucks, 50. And I'm like, what you need 50 bucks for? She's like, come on, Mom, I want to just, I'm t- I want to go buy this and I want to go buy that. If I do that with my child without requiring her to put in effort, time, work, I need A's on your report card. I need her to earn that money. You know, while I give her some, I need her to know the value of earning. So, but if I don't do that, if I don't uh, allow her to earn that money, she will become relatively narcissistic. Consequently, she becomes, and you know, we can call it entitled. It's still narcissism. But she will become very entitled. And, oh, Jesus, dang, that hurt. Oh, my God, that hurt. Oh, that hurt. Yeah, that hurt bad. Okay, sorry, had some stuff fall, but she will become relatively entitled. Now, I release that child as an adult into society. Child goes out there and now she expects the world to give her what she wants. She expects the world to give her what she wants when she wants it, simply because she wants it. The world would view her as a monster. They'd ridicule her. They'd harass her. They'd humiliate her. They'd do all types of crazy things to my daughter simply because of how she was raised. Now, she may find herself like this one popular Karen. Uh, They call them Karens now. On the internet, throwing a tantrum and crying because she didn't get her way. But what if I told you that as narcissistic and bad as people like that are, it, it, it genuine, genuinely is not their fault. See, this is where grace comes in because grace makes you look at the whole picture and not just the, you know, the finished product. You look at the process. You look at what made that picture the way that it looks. You know, what made that picture? What made that person a monster that they are? What what happened to this particular person? 
So society is not going to look at my child and say, hey, what's your history? You know, they're going to look and say, we got a, a grown woman out here who was literally in the middle of Kmart throwing a tantrum because somebody got the last uh, tickle me elbow and she wanted to get it for her daughter. And she said she saw it first, but the other lady was like, no, we looked at the same time. My hands happened to grab it first. So it's mine. And she's like, well, I, I saw it and I, I, I saw it and what have you. And so she, she starts having an adult sized tantrum, if that even exists. But as an adult, she starts having a tantrum. Society will laugh at her. Society will ridicule her. Society will banish her to hell if they could because of the way that she's acting. So what if I told you it's the same concept when you're dealing with women, for example, who have European features? Not all, because again, many of them, they come up from they come up in real families. They come up in families that didn't allow them to think like that. But I'm talking about the ones who came up in small communities, went to small high schools who were celebrated, you know, because of how they looked, because they were light skinned. They were celebrated. They were worshipped. And then they were released into a, a society that sexualized them. They were released into a society that said hey yeah the guy said hey yeah i want to date you and the guys took him to the barbecues and the picnics and took pictures with him and had kids with him and then tossed them aside so when you're dealing with colorism believe it or not in the black community uh the women in the black community are not necessarily getting the best end of or the best side of relationships because of how we're viewed because of how history um, has what history has done, what we've experienced in history. And then consequently right now, a lot of our black guys deal majorly with colorism. They deal majorly with colorism and yes, they will go after uh, a light skinned black woman. But at the same time, even though society will make her feel superior, society will make her feel like everybody that doesn't like her is jealous of her. That everybody that says something about her being narcissistic, if she is relatively entitled and narcissistic, is just jealous of her. You know, everybody's just jealous because of how she looks. A society that, you know, preaches that and teaches that to her. Um, again, is a society that has wronged her. Because over the course of her life... And I've seen this happen. I've seen the 40 year old version. I've seen the 60 year old version of that woman over the course of her life. She finds herself being used, you know, just to be the picture on somebody's arm. You know, just, she finds herself being used, especially in her youth. Um, she finds herself being used by people, by a society who idolizes her color, her complexion. But doesn't want to get to know the woman herself. And in many cases, I've seen women who were emotionally and mentally, uh, what is it, intellectually delayed because they never thought they had to learn. <laughs> they uh, honestly, they never thought they had to put in much effort because they were taught by society or taught by their parents that life would just open doors for them because they were women, because they were beautiful. Or because they were um, a lighter complexion.
So what I'm trying to show you is that, yes, there is some major colorism in the black community. It's a lot of racism and colorism. But one of the things that I can say is that colorism favors nobody. Colorism favors the lighter complexion woman when she's young. You know, when she's out there and she's young and, you know, society then, uh, colorism then puts her on a pedestal and gives her a false sense of security only to rip it back from under her as she gets older. Which is why, you know, I've had conversations with my, all of my friends, you know. Um, but one of the things I've tried to help them understand is like, man, get an education. <laughs> Don't rely on your looks. Don't rely on your beauty. Don't rely on your color. Don't rely on your hair texture. Don't rely on any of those things. Because I've had to watch so many people that I've known grow old alone. And we can go back and look at their pictures. Like uh, Miss RT, I talked about in part one. We can go back and look at their pictures and we can talk about how beautiful they were in their youth and how gorgeous they were. And, you know, that's the one thing that you record in your mind is that time in life that you were largely celebrated. I think, you know, when I was younger, I used to hear people, people used to walk up to me all the time and say, Oh, I remember when I was skinny like you. I oh, I would if I could just be skinny like that again. When I was skinny like you, I was skinny like you. And when I was young and when I was skinny, and I just kind of smile or what have you. Then you know, some people made me feel bad about being skinny. They used to threaten to feed me. But I got older <laughs> and weight came home, and I wasn't skinny. Nobody called me skinny no more. Um, but I found myself looking at the young, the skinny woman and saying girl if I was your size again girl when I was young like you what have you because those are highlight reels in our lives believe it or not if you're a young lady understand that's a highlight reel in your life and that was a highlight reel I think for many of us I can look back at at my youth and I can see uh, many of the highlight reels um, especially you know times where I was celebrated Just because I was a skinny woman who was confident, you know, I was celebrated. I had the guys looking at me. I had this and I had that and I had the metabolism and the energy. I was more outgoing and stuff like that. So that is a highlight reel of your life. But that is a time where the Bible talks about men breaking into houses and leading silly women astray. When you're young, you are that silly woman. When you're young... The enemy will use people to give you a false sense of security, a false sense of self-worth. When in God's eyes, we are all valuable in God's eyes. We are all beautiful because he's the master. Therefore, we are all masterpieces. But society will try to put you on this scale and make you uh, look at the people that you outweigh, you know, Um, And that way that creates cockiness or look at the people who outweigh you, which creates low self-esteem. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of women uh, who are dark skinned um, fell on the bad end of the spectrum because society told them that they weren't beautiful. Society told them that they look like they were from Africa. And that's how we used to hear when we were growing up as if look as if being from Africa was a bad thing. 
looking like you're from Africa is actually a compliment, but people weaponized it and made it into an insult. You know, they tried to, because what they were trying to show you is the commercials on TV where you had the, the black woman who was, you know, living in outright poverty, who didn't have any European features, who didn't have any hair. And she was just super duper skinny uh, because, you know, she was hungry or what have you. And so when society says you look African, that's what they're referring to. But they will try to make you feel like that woman is not attractive. Society will try to make you feel like women who look like that are not attractive. If you look like that and what society does, too, is it rapes and it pillages, it robs young, beautiful women by making them feel like, hey, you ain't even got to worry about that. They hating on you because you beautiful girl. I'm trying to tell you the door is going to open for you. All of this favor is going to be granted to you. You're going to be rich just because you cute. You're going to be successful just because you're cute. You're going to do great just because you're cute. But then after all those relationships and forgive me for saying it's penises, <laughs> you come to realize you're disposable. You come to realize regardless of how pretty you are, how light skinned you are, whatever texture your hair is, whatever race you are, you come to find out that, hey, you're disposable. And if you wanted to get a husband, you had to stop. And a husband is not the, the, the prize. Let me make sure I mention that. But if you want to be married, if you not, if you don't want to be ran through and uh, circulated in this society, you can't allow society to define your worth. Because society will define your worth and redefine it and redefine it and redefine it until you're worthless. Society will take you and take you and make you feel like you're going to be the wife of a millionaire only for you to find yourself married to a broke man. You know, and I've seen this with beautiful women, women who were a 10 by society, they end up marrying a guy, uh, for example, who by society standards was unattractive and didn't have that much money. And then many of them honestly went after married men many of them started going after married men because they needed to be favored in one area or another they could not handle relationships that were balanced because they had never had a balanced perspective um they couldn't handle the concept of being with somebody who actually made them uh display their character so in a love affair they're not required to show off their personality. They're not required to show off their character or even to be relatively responsible. All they're required to do is to look good, which they know how to do quite well, and to create an atmosphere for the guy. And they are oftentimes rewarded with compliments, excessive attention, and gifts and money. And so a lot of times women will... When they're accustomed to being celebrated, we'll settle for that because it's very similar to what they got as children. They will settle for that because for them in that moment, it gives them the opportunity to relive. It gives them the opportunity to relive the moments where they were worshipped, where they were, you know, placed on a pedestal and told that they were beautiful and that the world was at their fingertips. Come out of colorism. One thing two, um, take the time out to get to know God, put him as number one.
so that he can give you a clear picture of who you are. I came to realize that I'm a spirit inside of a body. And that's the most valuable part of me is my spirit because that's the eternal side of me. This flesh of mine is not eternal. Um, but it was a story I wanted to tell to make a point, And then I'm going to get ready to close. When I was a young lady, I remember, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't so bad looking. I, you know, I wasn't so bad looking. But when I was a young lady, I remember this, you know, there was a time in my life, all the guys, well, I won't say all the guys, but you know, you got a lot of guys coming after you. I'm very careful when saying all, because that, that sometimes I think about that actually does mean all, but no, uh, a large number of guys were coming after me because I was, uh, cocky, confident. I was fashionable. And you know what? It was clear that I would, I, my, my moral compass wasn't necessarily at its highest. Um, so wasn't hard for me to pull a guy. It wasn't hard for me to pull a rich guy. Wasn't hard for me to pull, you know, the guys that women wanted or what have you. It wasn't hard for me. And I think that that has a lot to do with the fact, you know, my attitude towards life. Because like I said, I just felt like every man preferred what he preferred. Um, but I remember this older man who was determined, overly determined to be in a relationship with me. Now, I didn't like the guy. I wasn't interested in him, had no interest because he was too old for me. He was my mama's age and then some. And he introduced himself to me. And I remember him telling me that what because he knew he couldn't he couldn't pull me because I was a young girl. Um, what he did was he su- tried to seduce me with a modeling contract. Now I'm short and I know models have to be like tall, you know, what have you. But. He was like, hey, you ever thought about going into modeling? You're a really pretty girl. This, that, this, that, other. Now, he met me. I was at Walmart working. And he was a customer in the store shopping. He's like, you're a really pretty girl. And so give me your number. And so that's how he got my number. Give me your number. I want to, you know, I want to see. Because he said he had a modeling company. And he was like, he's pretty sure he can sell me. And modeling was never something. Well, I, it was something I think every little girl has thought about doing. I think I even looked into it at one point, but it was never something like heavy that was on my heart because I knew, realistically speaking, that models typically are tall and it wasn't a big deal for me. What have you. And I remember mentioning that to him and him telling me, well, yeah, you can't be a runway model, but you can do commercials. And that was the first time I had ever heard that. He was like, you can do commercial modeling. And I was like, what? that's cool. That sounds good. And, you know, so he got my number. He started calling me. And obviously, he started flirting. You know, he would talk about modeling. That would be his introduction. You know, hey, we got to get some headshots of you. We got to get this. We got to get that. And then he would move on into flirting. You know, I can't believe a girl like you, you don't got a man and this, that, this, that, other. And I was thinking, ugh, you got worms. Because <laughs> at that time, I was like, ugh, I think I was 20. 20 years old, 20, 21 years old. And this dude was like 42. But I was thinking, yeah, you got worms. You got worms. I'm not interested. But I want that modeling gig. So he came over because we were supposed to be going over paperwork and all that. He came over to my mom's house. Uh, we were actually living with Miss RT, auntie I was talking about. Because she had gotten old by this time. And uh, she had had a stroke. It's a whole other story. And my mom had moved us into the house with her 
so that we could take care of her in her old age. Um, but he came by there and my mom saw him. He was, he was a model. He modeled. He wasn't a, a professional model, but he modeled his shows. He was a good looking guy. And my mom saw him and my mom was a single woman and I, my mom was smitten and she started talking about, oh, he's a good looking guy. This said this and other. So I'm thinking, okay, this is perfect. You know, he like money. Good. Cool. Cause I don't like him. He, oh, he got worms and I want him to leave me alone. So maybe I can hook him up with my mom. I can still get this modeling contract. I can still get all that, but I can hook him up with my mama. Yeah. Nope. I kept trying. I told my mom I was going to uh, talk to him. And she was like, no, leave it alone. I'm like, no, I'm going to talk to him because I think y'all will make a cute couple or what have you. So I kept talking to him about my mother, but he wasn't interested. He would say, yeah, and then he would change the subject. And then eventually he was like, I'm not interested in your mother. I'm interested in you. Just pedophilic within itself. Even though I was grown, he was just nasty. Um, he was like, I'm not interested in your mother. And, you know, I didn't tell my mother what he said because I didn't want her feelings. I just kept trying. I kept telling him all these wonderful things about my mama and, you know, how I think he'd make a great stepfather to me and all that other stuff. But, nope. He kept sending me gifts. He kept doing all this other stuff uh, for me or what have you. One particular time, and I'm, there's a, a, a motive, uh, a moral behind the story. One particular time, he invited me to a modeling gig that he had it was in town it was this event there's gonna be a few hundred people there not about a hundred people there and he was gonna be modeling and he just wanted me to come you know just to see him of course he was just showing off i agreed or what have you because you know i was trying to break into that world by that point and he's telling me he can get me in there or what have you and so it'd be good for me to come so i can meet a few people all that so I show up at this place at the event and I remember, you know, there are tables that set up. It's all fancy. And he take he sees me come in. He walks up to me. Now, again, I'm like 20, 21 years old. He walks up to me and he seats me at the front, direct front row. The women were older there. They were around his age, some a little bit younger. Um, there were, the crowd was mixed of uh, different ages. But what I remember is that what I remember is that he sat me at the front because he wanted me to see him in his world where he was celebrated, you know, where he was worshipped or what have you. So the modeling show starts and, you know, when he comes out, it's him and one other male model. He comes out. The women are going nuts because, like I said, he's a good—he's a good-looking guy. He was just old. To me, he was just old. But the people, you know, the women there—they were shouting. They like, oh, you know, he coming out, had the model with his shirt off, all that. They're shouting me. I'm not saying a word, but I am enjoying the fact that I'm front row and center, and. He started making it really clear that I was there for him. He started making it really clear, you know, trying to make it look like I was his woman. So he comes up and he models one time. Well, he one time he passes by me 
stops and rubs my chin or what have you and i'm just like okay this is cool i heard uh one of the women in the crowd say b i heard i, heard, I got called a b i heard i heard that a couple of times but i remember specifically this one uh but i didn't think i like i wasn't mad about it or what have you i think it was funny to me at that time i think because i don't even know if she was saying it in a malicious way i think she was saying it in a funny type you know look at you way what have you so he comes out one time and he's modeling. He has a suitcase in his hand while he's modeling. And he does something odd. And that's when I realized that like he's trying to let the whole wide world know that I'm there. I'm there for him. He's trying to show me as his girlfriend. And on one hand, I want to be offended because he's old. You know, that's how I felt. On the other hand, I'm flattered because all the women up in here screaming at him. All the women are screaming at him. So he... um. Y'all forgive me, I'm sleeping. I'm trying to clean out this space. I need to be in the bed. But I'm flattered on one hand, offended on the other hand. Finally, you know, he comes out there, he hands me his suitcase. That's when I realized he's really trying to bring attention to the fact that I'm there for him. So he comes, he models, and he goes to the end of the runway. He comes back and he stops. And then he hands me his suitcase. He hands me his suitcase. And he leaves it with me. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> you know, who does that in the middle of a modeling show? Um, but okay, it is what it is. The women are looking at me. I'm feeling good because I'm getting all this attention. And then he comes out at the end of the show. Now, mind you, it's him and one other guy. They're getting a lot of attention. The women are screaming at them. But he comes out at the end of the show. And the, him and the guy, they were the last two to come out. Um, because it was women in the show as well modeling. He, they come out and they got a bouquet of roses. I think it was like around Valentine's Day or something. They have a bouquet of roses. The younger guy, he's going throughout the crowd and handing roses to like most of the women on the front row. What have you? He's just handing them roses, like a single stem rose. This brother doesn't do that. This guy walks up to me. You know the guy that that I'm there for. He walks up to me and hands me the entire bouquet of roses. Yeah, I mean, it's a big bouquet. <laughs> hands me the entire bouquet of roses. And, you know, people are like, oh, and then I hear B and all, I hear all the things coming out of the crowd. But I'm smiling. I'm in a prime of my youth. I'm young. I'm naive. I'm not unattractive. I'm in the prime of my youth. And in that stage, you know, I started thinking like a lot of other young women. Life is going to be all right for me because I'm a woman. You know, because I'm a woman. I'm a woman that men desire. <laughs> life is going to be okay. And life is going to be good. Because here I am being celebrated in front of all of these women. You know, I'm being almost feeling like I'm being worshipped. In front of all of these women. And that story uh, goes on into another funny segment. Another satisfying moment at the time. Whereas um, I remember after the show, you know, after he done all that, he walked up to me. He was like, hey, don't leave. Uh, don't leave yet. He said, I want to talk to you first. And I still had his suitcase and what have you. And I went stood out in the hallway. It was like a crowd of people in the hallway. I don't know if they were trying to get out. I kind of feel like we were in a line trying to get out the building. But we were kind of leaning in the hallway. And I heard this voice say, Tiffany. And I turned around. It was one of my exes. It was 
an ex. It was absolutely beautiful to look at, but dude was for them streets. Uh, <laughs> they say, but he used to cheat, and that's he cheated, and that's why I broke up with him. Um, so I turned around, and he was like, "You looking good?" And I said, "Thank you." So as it turned out, he had watched me be celebrated the entire show, and he was like, "So is that your man?" I'm like, "No, he's just a friend." He was like, "Hmm," or oh, what have you, and so. He was sitting there feeling some type of way. That was satisfying to me at that moment. It was satisfying to me at that moment because he was sitting there watching me be celebrated. And he watched this guy pulled up in his little red convertible type car, you know, to take me to my car. And I'm coming out. Yeah, so it was one of those little satisfying moments. But I shared that story to say this. When you're young, society will lead you to believe that the world is at your fingertips. And I think this is what's wrong. With a lot of women, not just women in the African-American community, I think it's, ha- it's highlighted in the African-American community. I think it's a pandemic in the African-American community but because a lot of women are celebrated for their bodies. A lot of women are made to feel like life is going to favor them. The world is going to favor them. Things are going to go right because they're young, they're beautiful, and they're skinny or, you know, they're curvy or what have you. They're made to feel that way only to have that rug pulled from under them time and time and time again because the same society that celebrates you is going to use you up and toss you now this wasn't the case with this guy uh, in all our honesty i just never gave him a chance i he was just i just felt like he was an old guy um i had a time where and i just kind of feel like i have to even though it's pointless I feel like i have to finish that story i had a time where i was about to start dating the guy you know, because the story between with him is really interesting. But um, at a time where I was about to date the guy, I was about to go ahead and give him uh, the time of day. Because one, my mom was egging me on, believe it or not. She was like, no, it's, it's fine. He, he likes you and he's a good looking guy and I think he'll take care of you. That was my mom's major thing is just us being taken care of. She was like, I think, you know, he... He's well off. He'll take really good care of you. This, that, this, that, and the other. So, no, it's fine. You know, I'll meet somebody. But in his particular case, he ended up moving to um, New York. He ended up moving to New York. And he started trying to date me. You know, he, 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 he turned it up. He was sending me all these gifts and expensive purses and, you know, jewelry and stuff. And I was enjoying it because I was at a stage in my life where I was young and I was getting gifts from different guys, you know, guys that like me or what have you. And when you're young, that kind of stuff means a lot to you because you think that that means that you have all these options of men and forget what all these older fat women are talking about. You know, you got all these options. The world is at your fingertips. You're going to have it all. But you don't realize society is doing the same thing it's been doing to women especially the black women and so there was this one time in history where i decided and there's two stories with that i'm gonna try to get through them real quick i decided to give him a chance you know um we didn't officially say that but we started talking about me moving to new york and i had agreed to move to new york we had even picked out a date that i was gonna move to new york so i figured okay Looks like I'm about to be in a relationship with an older man, but I'm going to be genuine with you. I've never been a gold digger, but in this particular case, that was going to be my job title because he was too old 
for me. I wasn't attracted to him because he was old. Um, and that was it. And so my mom was egging me on. This guy was buying me all these gifts. And I decided, okay, maybe, maybe I need to give this thing a, a shot. So I was going to move to New York to be with him. What made me change my mind <laughs> was we had solidified a date when I was supposed to come to New York, the whole night. And when we still had like a year before I was supposed to move there because we were supposed to get some things in order. But I remember something he said to me that made me say, ew, no. Because remember, I was about to play gold digger in this particular case, just, you know, be with him for security, which is historical. You know, you can get mad about that if you're a guy, but that's his, that's history. That's history. Men have always gone after women that by society standards were out of their league and promised to take care of them. And women have already always accepted that offer. I've never been into that, but in this particular case, I decided to give it a shot. I decided to give it a shot one other time in my life. Found out it doesn't work for me. That's not my thing. Cause yeah, my my poker face sucks. But um, I decided to move in. We still had like a year before I was supposed to move there. And he said something that just completely ruined it. He said, okay, mind you, I hadn't been to college. He said, when you get here, he said, now I want you to go ahead and start getting everything straight now. Because when you get here, I want you to go to college. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Being like a daddy, which is weird because you're trying to be my boyfriend too. Trying to be my man and my, my daddy. That ain't going to work. You're going to have to pick one. But um, I'm trying to hook you up with my mama. <laughs> he said, I want you to go to college. Okay, cool. He, um, he said, so we're going to set everything up for you to go to college. And then he said, I also want you to get a job. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I'm thinking if you're going to have a girl 20 years younger than you, you're going to have to finance that. You know, because I can get with somebody my own age. But why am I going to be with some old guy? I mean, and I'm telling you, this is young girl thinking for the guys that get frustrated. <laughs> That's how young girls think. So, um, I was like, what? He was like, yeah. I, say, I was like, so you want me to go to college and be working? Like a single woman? Like a single mom? He was like, yeah, but it'll pay off in the end. And I was like, when he started telling me basically that I was going to be helping with bills, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, um, and then he started mentioning his daughters, which were my age. He's like, yeah, when my daughters live with me, I'm, you know, I, they had to help me with bills too. They had to get a job, go to college and help with bills too. Needless to say, I was like, this Negro would have lost his mind. If he think I'm going to come there and finance a relationship with him when he, oh, I, that's just the way that I thought. That's just the way that I <laughs> reasoned or what have you. But I was thinking to myself, he done lost his mind. If he think I'm going to come here and work my tail off. Okay, this is still good. But work my tail off to be in a, uh, a relationship with an older guy. You have to make it, you have to balance it out. <laughs> One end, it wasn't a balanced idea. So, needless to say. Um, I didn't end the relationship because we never initiated a relationship. We never said, hey, we're in a relationship. I just 
stopped taking taking his calls. You know, we weren't talking that much anyhow because New York was long distance. But I think he called me a lot, but I just was never home. I think he called me uh, several times, but I was just rarely ever at home or what have you. And I took the gifts a few times and then and I'm just sharing this story because I'm sharing this story because it got interesting. It's off, we off the colorism spectrum right now. It's just me sharing this story because it's an interesting one. It was a funny one. Uh, but yeah, that kind of died down. And maybe a year later, this guy called. He reached out to me and he asked me, he said, hey, I got a question. He said, um, what would you do? If somebody invited you on a popular talk show and I was like, he said, would you come? I was like, no, because, you know, I was from Mississippi and, uh, no, the black community and the city I was in, that was like a city within itself. And no, it's gossip was major there. Like you don't air your business out. You try to keep it under wraps. And then he was an older guy. I was trying to keep that under wraps, (laughs) but, um, he reached out to me. And he asked me, what would I do? And this was after, you know, he had sent me a nice little gift in the mail. And then, you know, uh, we talked on the phone and he was like, yeah, what would you do if you were invited onto a talk show? And I was like, I wouldn't come. And he said, well, what if I invited you? I was like, no, I still wouldn't come. I don't want people knowing my business. He waited some time. And he, he was like, well, I've, he said, I'm not going to lie. I've thought about inviting you onto the Ricky Lake show, which was a popular show at that time. Sorry, guys. I am moving a, uh, what do you call this thing? A cube. And it's not working. It's not working in this place. I got to try to figure it out. But he was like, uh, I've thought about calling the Ricky Lake show. And he said, and if I ever called them, he said, I would want you to accept the invitation to go on to the show. And I don't know if I led him to believe that I would. Um, but my little sister ended up calling me. I was working at Walmart. My little sister ended up calling me one day. And she was like, Tiff, guess who just called here for you? I said, who? The Montel Williams show. I was like, what? She said, the Montel Williams show just called here looking for you and I gave them the phone number because I answered the phone at Walmart she's like I gave the phone number to Walmart so they're gonna be calling for you in a few minutes and immediately I knew what that was about I was like while this is exciting while this is something I guess to be celebrated I knew I wasn't going on that show so um the guy well the Montel Williams show did call there was a really kind lady on the other end and she was like, hi, I'm looking for Tiffany Buckner. And I said, this is she. And she said, hi, um, this is such and such from the Montel Williams show. I think she said her name was Tiffany because I think we kind of made jokes about, you know, both of us being named Tiffany or what have you. And she was like, I'm from the Montel Williams show and we have a person who uh, wants to reconnect with you. Somebody from your past and I was like yeah I already know who it is (laughs) and she was like yeah but would you be interested in coming on the show and I told her no I don't believe in putting my business out there like that you know I'm from this small town you know it's a city but 
I'm from this place where you just, you just don't put your business out there because she was like yeah but if you know anything about our show you know that we're not like uh jerry springer at all shows there there's nothing humiliating like we're not gonna embarrass you uh the show is it's all about positivity and all that i said yeah but i know who it is and i know what he wants and i'm gonna say no and i'm gonna get booed and then too yeah i have to come back to this small city <laughs> so she tried to talk me into it. I said no. And she was like, well, if you change your mind. <coughs> sorry. You change your mind. Call us back. And she was like, I really. I'm going to call you again. She said, I really want you to do this, Tiffany. Because she said, I really think that this would change your life. I knew that guy was going to propose to me. <laughs> I knew I was, he was going to propose to me. But he didn't want He didn't want to be with me because of my brain. He never really had too many conversations with me. He was an older guy who was attracted to me because I was a relatively attractive or attractive younger woman. That's it. That's all. That, that had nothing to do with anything else. So I declined the offer. Didn't go on the show or what have you. What does that kind of stuff do to a young lady? It does give her a false sense of security. It gives her an illusion Dang it, what was that? Okay. It gives her an illusion that life is going to favor her because she's a woman. Life is going to favor her because she's skinny. Now, thankfully, I had many cases of being rejected, so there was some balance there. But I was a cocky young lady. And I don't even front like I wasn't. I was a cocky young lady. I'm saying that to say. Regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, get an education. Because especially as an African woman, African-American woman, understand that society is not ruling in your favor. That if you're sitting there and you're relying on your looks, your body or what have you, you're going to find yourself with what I see a lot of older women dealing with right now. They aged out of their beauty and they still single. They got passed around. They got beautiful stories to tell. Tons of beautiful stories. When they were invited to the Ritz-Carlton and when they went here and they dated this president and that happened. They got all these great and wonderful stories. But they have nothing to show for their youth but a bunch of stories. And that could have ended up being me. But thankfully, I decided to make a change in my life and not rely on being a woman to get me through life. I decided to rely on God to build my relationship with him and also build you know because this is what he gave me to do so go out there and build don't put all your faith into what you see looking back at you in the mirror (laughs) um and definitely make sure you love people love people regardless of what their skin complexion is you know love your light skin sisters love your dark skin sisters don't think you're better than one or lesser than the other because at the end of the day we all bleed red At the end of the day, we're going to stand before God and colorism and racism will not stand in the face of God. That's my TED talk for today. Anyhow, I love you. I hope this message blessed you and God bless you.